Chapter Nineteen of Half a Century by Jane Grey Swisshelm. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Training School. Paul fought with beasts at Ephesus as a part of his training for that good fight with principalities and powers and iniquity in high places, and I think that Tom and the bears helped to prepare me for a long conflict with the southern tiger. I had early come to think that Tom would kill some of the children who trooped to see him, and that I should be responsible as I alone saw the danger. This danger I sought to avert, but how to dispose of the beautiful creature I could not conjecture. There was usually a loaded gun in the house, but I was almost as much afraid of it as of Tom. All our neighbors were delighted with him and loath to have him killed. I had once tried to poison a cat, but failed, and I would not torture Tom. I wanted Dr. Palmer to give me a dose for him, but he declined. I tried in vain to get someone to shoot him. Then I thought of striking the great beast on the head with a hatchet while he had hold of some domestic animal. The plan seemed feasible, but I kept my own counsel and my hatchet and practiced with it until I could hit a mark and thought I could bury the sharp blade into Tom's skull. One day all the men were in the meadow making hay, and I alone getting dinner. John McKelvey came with his great dog watch. He went up into the meadow, and watch stayed in the kitchen. I started to go to the garden for parsley, and found Tom crouched to spring on a cow. He made the leap, came short of the cow which ran away bellowing with terror and tom had but touched the ground when watch sprang upon him it was a sight for an amphitheatre the two great creatures rolled in a struggle which i knew must be fatal to watch but thought he could engage tom's attention until i got my hatchet i ran back for it took the dinner horn and blew a blast that would bring one man and i did not want a thousand then I ran back to the scene of conflict, horn in one hand, hatchet in the other, and lo, no conflict was there, no Tom, no dog, nothing but the torn and bloody ground. Horror of horrors! There was a broken chain. Tom loose, Tom free. Now someone would be murdered. I turned to look, and there on a log, not a rod from me, he stood with head erect and tail drooping, his white throat, jaws, and broken chain dripping with blood, and with my first thankfulness that he had not escaped, came admiration for the splendid sight. The bold, sweeping curves and graceful motion as he turned his head to listen. Then I learned panthers went by sound, not scent. I blew another blast on the horn and went toward him, for I must not lose sight of him. If he attacked me, could I defend myself with the hatchet? When they found me, I would be horrible to look upon, and it would kill Elizabeth. Will my peas burn? The flies will get into that pitcher of cream. If I am killed, they will forget to put parsley in the soup. Tom changed his weight from one foreclaw to the other, and gnashed his teeth. Here the king and I are standing face to face together, King Tom, how is your majesty it's mighty pleasant weather so ran my thoughts in the intense strain of that waiting it must be full ten minutes before tom's master could get to the house after that first blast and if he did not hear that must be too late 
but tom kept his place and my husband rushed by me carrying the pitchfork with which he had been at work and i saw no more until tom was in his cage watch had dragged himself to his master's feet to die and i went into the house and finished getting dinner more than ever afraid of tom and more than ever at a loss to know how to get rid of him yet he still lived and rattled his chain by the garden path but it was a year before our next adventure one summer morning at sunrise i was shocked out of sleep by shrieks and shouts and scurrying feet i sprang out of bed and rushed into the hall in time to see tom dash out of it into the dining-room mother-in-law and the girl disappearing upstairs and the two hired men through the barn door my husband soon followed tom who had taken refuge under a large heavy falling-leaf table and seemed inclined to stay there this time his collar was broken and feeling the advantage he paid no heed to the hand or voice of his quondam master he would not move but growled defiance and the table protected him from a blow under the ear so his late master became utterly nonplussed if the cage were there the great beast would probably go into it but how get it there the wealth of india would not have induced one of those men to come out of that barn or one of those women to come down those stairs something must be done and i proposed to hold tom while my husband brought the cage he hesitated i was not in good fighting trim for my hair which was long and heavy had fallen loose but preparation could avail nothing the only hope lay in perfect coolness and a steady gaze i knelt and took hold of tom by the back of the neck talked to him and thought that cage was long in coming he shifted his weight and seemed about to get up this meant escape and i held him hard commanding him to lie down sir he blinked at me seemed quite indifferent and altogether comfortable by and by the man who had ceased to be master returned without the cage utterly demoralized and was here without a weapon without a plan i resigned my place and told him i would bring a rope this i intended to do and also my hatchet i had but gotten halfway to the front door when there was a scuffle the loud voice of my husband shrieks upstairs rattling of furniture and crashing of glass and when i got back to the room i saw the tip of tom's tail disappearing he had gone through the window and taken the sash with him he ran into his cage and that was his last taste of liberty but he lived a year after chained in a corn crib every evening in the gloaming he would pace back and forth raise his kingly head utter his piercing shriek then stop and hark for a response walk again shriek and listen while the bears would bellow an answer the bears too were often exciting and interesting once i rescued a toddling child when running toward big bear and not more than two feet from where he stood waiting with hungry eyes at another time they both broke loose on a bitter cold day when i was alone in the house i defended myself with fire meeting them at every door and window with a hickory brand i wondered as they went round and round the house if they would stop in the chimney corner and make the acquaintance of tom but they took no notice of him and after they had eaten several buckets of porridge they concluded there was nothing in the house they wanted so became good-natured and went and climbed a tree 
such schoolmasters must have imparted a flavor of savagery to my mexican war letters which attracted readers as tom did visitors End of chapter nineteen